If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com And the irony with a 51% attack is you may be able to spend millions of dollars to control the Bitcoin network for 5, 10, 20 minutes. But if you spent that money, time, and energy in doing the right thing, that person attacking the Bitcoin network could actually make so much more Bitcoin by doing the right thing than what they could, you know, trying to do a few um, double spends or triple spends. Welcome to the Bitcoin Basics Podcast with your host Ferris, that's me, and Gordon from CoinCompass.com, enabling you to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins. All resources are in the show notes and description, including our full disclaimer. Visit BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com to subscribe and discover other free content. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bitcoin Basics Podcast, where we are in... Oh, what day are we up to now, Gordon? I've completely lost track. We are day 11, I believe. So day 11 of 30 days of Bitcoin. Anyone watching on YouTube, you're probably wondering why I am dressed in formal attire. Well, here in New Zealand, it's formal Friday. We are dressing up at home and I'm going to a party later tonight on Zoom. My kind of party where I can just basically mute people. So we are just past 0600 UTC time. Gordon, can you give us the blockchain time and Bitcoin price, please? The blockchain time or block height is 624,174. And that equates to 3rd of April, 2020. And the price of Bitcoin, according to Bitstamp, is 6,770. And uh, what is today's question, Gordon? What are we tackling? Well, let's play it. What are the methods to minimize a 51% attack? All right, Gordon. So so with this one, this actually took me quite some time to figure out. So I think I'll answer half the question and throw it over to you. So a 51% attack. And by the way, depending on how interested you are in delving under the hood of Bitcoin, this is one of those things where... You can really go down the rabbit hole. So it's going to be, I think, challenging for us to explain in under 10 minutes. So here goes. So Bitcoin, basically the way it works is the the blockchain is essentially the spreadsheet that Bitcoin um, records all the Bitcoin transactions. So every time someone, you know, John sends Bitcoins to Susan, it's recorded on the blockchain vice versa. Everything is recorded on the blockchain, every transaction. So it's the miners that actually validate all these transactions. And please see our other episodes and all our writings on mining. So essentially, it's the miners that are the engine for um, Bitcoin. They keep it ticking along. Now, what they can do is they can decide, you know what, I want to stop mining Bitcoin and I want to mine something else entirely. Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin gold, anything else. So they can just go ahead and start mining elsewhere. So the more miners there are, the more robust Bitcoin is. Now, let's just say that all of a sudden you only had um, a few people mining Bitcoin, very, very few people mining Bitcoin. Well, what could happen then is you could have a larger party come in and say, well, if there's 10,000 miners mining Bitcoin, 
and all of a sudden you have 11,000 new people come in, they can then basically call attack the network, which basically means that since they've got more miners, they can then reverse all those transactions on the blockchain. So in essence, they're attacking the network by sheer numbers. It's called brute force. So what that means is, in essence, um, Bitcoin runs on consensus. And this is a, a really important word to understand Bitcoin is there is consensus amongst the miners to keep the Bitcoin blockchain going as is. So new transactions are added onto old transactions. Every block that's released, the miners are basically um, just strengthening that. Um, the visual we like to use is a pyramid. So if you think of a pyramid, the more blocks you add onto it, the higher it goes, the stronger it actually gets. You know, a pyramid is a very strong foundation. It's the same thing with Bitcoin. So if you wanted to reverse engineer that pyramid, if you wanted to knock it down, you'd actually have to remove it brick by brick. To do so with Bitcoin, you would need people basically attacking it, removing the bricks, the stones, as, as the existing miners are adding on top of it. So it's basically just a mathematical game in that you need more people, more miners attacking the network than existing miners are adding to it. Now, Gordon, I've got no idea if I've explained that well enough. I know 51% attack can take people weeks to understand. So how, how am I doing? Do we have to completely re-edit this whole section? Do you want to learn how to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins? Coincompass.com is running a free two-hour webinar on Sunday, 31st of May. To register and for more details, visit coincompass.com forward slash webinar. No, Faris, don't sell yourself short. That was pretty good. I think uh, we'll keep this at a fairly high level. Uh, as Faris said, watch our previous video where we covered mining. So I'm not going to go over that. But as Faris said, a 51% attack is basically the ability to control more than 50% of Bitcoin mining. And that's it. So we talked about that giant spreadsheet that people are looking at. People are adding transactions. People are verifying transactions. Is it correct? Is it not correct? And th the reason why we have that spreadsheet is because you have this system of people verifying transactions. You don't need to do that with a bank. So with a bank, you have a central spreadsheet, a central ledger, and that bank protects it really well. But in Bitcoin, there's no third party. So the reason why we have miners is all those miners can verify and check that you know there's no dodgy transactions or people are doing the right thing. So this 51% attack is theoretical. It's never happened in Bitcoin. It has actually happened in several other smaller altcoins. And the reason why it's extremely unlikely to happen in Bitcoin is number one, the hashing power, sorry, what we call mining power of Bitcoin is so immense that it's really the strongest and most powerful computer system we've ever seen. So it's extremely unlikely that someone would be able to pull this off. If they were to pull it off, they'd have to do two things, whether it was a corporation, whether it was other people getting together or, or a state actor or any kind of government entity, they would have to do two things. One, they would have to spend a lot of money. They would have to spend billions. So I'm not talking millions, I'm talking billions of dollars. So there's one thing of spending a lot of money that would probably get noticed. And two, they have to acquire these Bitcoin miners from somewhere. 
These Bitcoin miners are just like specialized computers, special hardware that run this puzzle. Remember that Rubik's Cube that we talked about, that there is a puzzle every 10 minutes, and it's very difficult to solve this Rubik's Cube. Very easy to verify, but very difficult to solve that puzzle. So that's all these miners are doing. Where would the attackers get those extra miners from? As far as I know, Faris, I don't know about you in New Zealand, but I can't duck down to the local Kmart or convenience store and purchase a Bitcoin miner. So what they would have to do is they would have to either manufacture them themselves, maybe coerce a manufacturer to um, do that on their behalf. And so we're talking a one, two, three year project worth billions of dollars. Extremely unlikely. And you know what's going to happen? Worst case scenario, if that did happen and someone just flooded the Bitcoin network, with uh, all these new miners. Um, the Bitcoin software could be changed within a couple of minutes to say, yeah, you know what? We're gonna move from this Rubrics Cube puzzle system to a Sudoku or to a crossword or some other system to solve a puzzle. And it makes their billion dollar three year project completely obsolete and completely worthless within you know, five to 10 minutes. So extremely unlikely not going to happen and I don't think I really need to go into the technical details. It simply wouldn't be worth it. As Ferris said, the main reason why someone might want to do it is to reverse transactions. So for example, I could attack the network with all my miners. I could send Ferris one Bitcoin and then what I could do is five minutes later, I could then reverse that transaction and get my Bitcoin back. So Ferris might be an online store. He might have shipped me a new pair of shoes or I might have bought something from Faris, he shipped it to me. I reverse that transaction and now I can buy something else with the Bitcoin I've got and rinse and repeat that. But that's going to be a very, very short window of time any attacker is going to be able to have, 10 minutes, 20 minutes max. And so I don't really see the incentive for them to be able to do so. Thank you, Gordon. That is an excellent explanation. And uh, I think ironically, I went into more technical detail on this one than you did. I was really trying to uh, not go down the rabbit hole. Um, so yeah, uh, the the amazing thing about Bitcoin is it has, you know, all the invention, the technology, but it also has something called game theory. And one of the things is the incentive structure. It actually incentivizes people to do the right thing. And the irony with a 51% attack is you may be able to spend millions of dollars to control the Bitcoin network for 5, 10, 20 minutes. But if you spent that money, time and energy in doing the right thing, that person attacking the Bitcoin network could actually make so much more Bitcoin by doing the right thing than what they could, you know, trying to do a few um, double spends or triple spends. So um, the incentive structure is simply not there for a 51% attack. Yeah, Bitcoin is fascinating when you start looking and there are a few articles out there about the game theory of Bitcoin because it is an unfettered, true capitalistic market at work. It really is fascinating for anyone who wants to go into detail. Just as a side note, if you're watching this on YouTube um, and Gordon did very well not to lose his call, there's been a bird flying around me. So I'm not in a studio or something. I am actually at a, um, a country cabin in New Zealand and I've got the door open and the beauty about New Zealand is that there's no natural predators. So wildlife is very friendly. So I do get local birds coming flying in. So as Gordon was talking, he's looking at me sitting there and a bird flying around. So you did very well, Gordon, not to 
burst out laughing. I thought I thought it was your youngest son actually going along the walls, but obviously not. <laughs> um, so I think that's it, Faris. I will just say one last thing. We're talking about Bitcoin. This has never happened. It has actually happened on uh, smaller altcoins, alternative coins, and um, they've been completely taken over. So people have been able to change all kinds of things, give themselves money, inflate the money supply, do this thing called double spending. So as Farah said, the power of Bitcoin, the power of Bitcoin's network, its security, comes from its decentralization. So the more people mining, the more computing power is in the Bitcoin network, the more decentralized, which means the more secure and the less likely anyone can, well, anyone can try, but anyone will be successful with any attack of doing any kind of censorship of uh, Bitcoin transactions. Thanks for watching or listening. Please visit coincompass.com free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time.